0: It's time for the latest on the Brewers, Bucks, and Packers with the Fan Afternoon Show on 1250 AM, The Fan.
2: The Fan Afternoon Show coming to you from the Lakeland University Studios offering co-op credit for work experience. Learn your way at lakeland.edu. Thanks for listening in to the Fan Afternoon Show. He is Sam Schmitz at the controls. I am Kevin Holden. Uh, sitting in for a little while this week, uh, day job of course at CBS 58, but uh, thankfully these folks have let me hang around for a week. It's fun. We're back at it. It's a blast. We've also got Matt Carroll, contributor for reviewing the brew and co-host of the Cold Brew Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at mke Matt13. Uh, we got some brewers to talk about. Matt, uh, first of all, how's it going, man?
1: I'm I'm doing well, thanks. And by the way, I normally listen to the show in the car on the radio while I'm driving. Um, but listening to the draft mockery theme and the scrub a dub song via headphones on the Odyssey app is a whole new level.
2: <laughs> We're sorry, we had to you had to listen to that.
1: <laughs>
2: it, a new level is a, is a great way to describe it. Quote, yeah, quote a new level. <laughs> it's uh it's the mastery of Tim Shea. I mean, he's Man, I, the first time I heard that song, I I responded back to to Bart and I said that should be on iTunes.
1: <laughs> I'd take it as a ringtone.
2: Right? Absolutely. All right, Matt, so we we have the joy today of being able to review a Brewers game that has happened today. We you know, not not often usually with the night games that we can do this, but we have a whole series that basically unfolded in less than 24 hours. And, man, did it go well. It's two wins for the Brewers on the road against a good team. I know it's June, but, man, that's about as good as that two-game series could have gone, right?
1: Yeah, I I certainly have no complaints. I mean, they were able to hit homers in a stadium like Tropicana that generally is not favorable to hitters. Uh, The Rays generally put up a good fight when it comes to pitching. Uh, So to score five runs apiece in both of those games – Uh, definitely a positive and you're starting to see now a, a little bit of a trend of the offense waking back up. They've scored four runs or more in each of the last seven games, 12 of the last 14, I believe. And of course that coincided when some of these guys who were on the IL started getting healthy, started getting back into the swing of things. And now you see things start to go their way a little bit. So now you head off to Pittsburgh where they swept the series earlier this year. And hope to keep that rolling. But, yeah, great last 24 or so hours for sure.
2: Luis Urias had had a huge series in Tampa. And honestly, I think if you'd said to me a month ago, hey, it's going to be fine with these right-handed bats, Luis Urias and Andrew McCutcheon in the middle of the order, I would have thought, oh, man, that doesn't sound good at all. But uh, Urias... Has been tremendous, and and it leads me to think. We I mean, made a great defensive play too. Like we have talked about, the Brewers having a need at third base. But is Urias going to make us eat our words? Is he just the third baseman of the future? Once the full lineup is back and healthy,
1: I, I think he will be for the immediate future for sure. I I always go back and forth on him because you know I, I think a lot of us look at him and you don't think of him as that prototypical third baseman who should normally be a you know a big bashing sort of guy well he he certainly bashes for the brewers to two two run homers in each of the last two games uh, it's nice been nice to see him be like one of those aforementioned players who you know he didn't hit the injured list but he did have that thumb injury and it felt like once he was back playing in games he was a little bit slow to kind of pick things back up again but he's looked good lately and having him do that lets you focus on maybe some other areas of the field when it comes to adding some offense, maybe you want to add out in center field. I know that's what everyone thinks first. Right now you're rolling with Tyrone Taylor and Jonathan Davis, who had an amazing catch earlier today. By the way, could not believe he came back in the game uh, for as little as he did. But I think that's a very obvious spot that you want to upgrade. Maybe you want to add to the bullpen as well. Um, maybe you want to add a little bit to the you know to the bench. But by having Urias do what he does, and if he continues to do that consistently, yeah, it would be really nice to be able to just focus some of those resources. The little bit that the Brewers have, because we know they're not going to break the bank, focus those resources elsewhere in the lineup, elsewhere on the field. Um, Hopefully he keeps doing it, and I'd love to eat my words because it was – it was looking a little grim there for a little bit, like they were going to maybe have to address that position as well.
2: Yeah, so Matt Carroll, contributor for Reviewing the Brew and co-host of the Cold Brew podcast, joining us here. Uh, Matt, the, the so we've talked about bats for the middle of the order and, and positions and that sort of thing, but it's the bat at the top of the order that intrigues me more day by day. Christian Yelich uh, has been and I think rightfully so, the subject of... It's not criticism, it's wondering. It's wondering where the Christian Yelich of a few years ago has gone. And I I I mean, I'm done being able to answer that question. I don't know the answer. But what I do know is it appears that there's a reinvention taking place. And I want to get your thoughts on Yelich as a leadoff hitter, drawing walks, acting more like a leadoff hitter. Do you see this as something that could happen for the rest of the year? Or is this a case of reset... Get on base. Don't worry about power. And eventually, maybe parts of the old Yelich return later in the season.
1: I think I would. I think we all hope that that will end up happening. But the move to put him at leadoff was it was a little bit of a fit and a little bit of necessity because Colton Wong, uh, that game right before Yelich ended up in the leadoff spot, Colton Wong went down due to injury. And so you put Yelich there and he's excelled. He started off with an eight game hitting streak in the leadoff position, stretched it to nine games overall. He's in the middle of an eight game hit hitting streak. Now, as we speak, he just stretched it to eight today. He's getting hits. He's getting on base. He's scoring runs. He's a prototypical hitter for that when he's not producing runs because he's an insanely smart base runner. He's and he's, super fast. He hasn't been caught on the base pass uh, attempting to steal yet. So it it definitely works for him right now. And I think as long as he's successful in it, you have to leave him there. I was actually really glad to see when Colton Wong came back that they didn't take Yelich out of that position. And why would you if he's producing? I don't know either whether he returns to those old ways. If he does, of course, drop him back down to the three hole and let him drive runs in. But if that's not what... What's happening and where he is now is helping the Brewers win games. Ride it out as long as you can. Ride it out longer than this season if you have to, as long as he is being productive in that spot.
2: Certainly been good over this last week plus. And then there's the the factor of trades and the trade deadline that's coming up. And and we've touched on this a little bit, that center field could be a a position of need. But one of the good things about – and there's many, many good things about reviewing the Brew is that you guys, you know, you talk game reviews and that sort of thing. But you've got your finger on the pulse when you talk about prospects, when you talk about trades, potential things like that. How do you see this trade uh, deadline time going for the Brewers? Another, I guess my, my question's in two parts. Do you see them targeting anything specific and how do they get there? Do they trade prospects? Do they trade pitchers at the big league level? How do they get there?
1: I definitely think it would be more the prospect level that they're going to go. Um, It's hard trading anyone from the big league team without sacrificing some depth with the one exception being starting pitching. But at that point, I think you look at those a lot of those guys as guys who could contribute for you in the future, especially if you're not able to lock down players like Corbin Burns, like Brandon Woodruff to any long term extensions. You're going to need a guy like a Lauer, a guy like a Hauser in the future possibly in that case so i think when it comes to the trade deadline you're looking prospects and for me i don't really think any prospect is off the table or quote unquote untouchable i think you even the guys who are the most impressive right now your you know your Bryce you your Ethan Small your Jackson you your Joey Weimer uh, some of the best guys the brewers have there if there's the right fit with another team Stearns probably still ends up pulling the trigger. Now you've got to get something really nice in return if that's going to be the case. Um, But I think the prospects that the Brewers are willing to give up really depend more on the fit with the other team. If you've identified a guy that another team is willing to give up based on their contract status, based on their fit with you, whatever that may be, it really depends on what they need. And you can, you'd like to say that some of those outfield prospects are untouchable, but they've got a ton of depth there. You give one up, you've still got a lot of guys left in the pipeline. Same with starting pitcher. You look at an Ethan small, they've got riches when it comes to starting pitching. You look farther down, you've got a guy like Antoine Kelly down uh, in high a Wisconsin, who's doing amazing right now. Um, He could end up, you know, being a contributor in a couple of years. So I think everything's on the table at this point, depending on the price of the other team. And so, We'll really see what happens. There's so many factors that go into making the right deal. A, a lot could really happen.
2: Matt Carroll from Reviewing the Brew, co-host of the Cold Brew podcast, joining us, talking a little Brewers baseball. An exciting time and, and an interesting little pivot now for the Brewers because they just finished this stretch where, look, any series against the Cardinals gets the blood pumping. That's that's an adrenaline situation. The Blue Jays Are a very talented team, especially on offense. That man, I wouldn't want to play in the AL East. I can tell you that. Uh, And then you get the Rays on top of it for this super fast two game series. So that's all done, and now the Brewers go to Pittsburgh. And and look, you know, major leaguers are major leaguers, but this is like going a notch down in the batting in the uh, in the pitching machine on BP. You know, you went from you're going to go from ninety down to eighty. Sometimes that doesn't work out so well for a team like this do you do you foresee any potential issues having played a week and a half of very big games now followed by four games against a team that's already basically out of it
1: um I don't and it's because we have the pleasure of watching one of the best managers in all baseball in Craig Council you know this is a guy who's had to navigate exactly these type of situations for you know ever since twenty. 20- 15 and he has done it by getting the brewers to the last four, uh, post seasons. So he is no stranger to anything like this. You, you always, you know, expect the possibility of a little bit of a letdown of looking ahead to maybe once uh, they get to some of those tougher teams in the twins and giants, um, a little bit further down the road. But again, council is no stranger to this. He will have these guys prepared and hopefully they keep rolling. Uh, Even if it's not a full-on sweep, you take two out of three, and you're looking really good heading into July and then heading into a series with the Cubs, which hopefully um, they can pile up some wins there as well. Matt,
2: fantastic insights. Really appreciate it. Thanks for uh, giving us your time and talking some brewers today.
1: Absolutely, any time, and good to hear you on the uh, station this week.
2: Yeah, thanks, man. This is this has been a lot of fun. Matt Carroll, contributor for Reviewing the Brew and co-host of the Cold Brew podcast. Follow him on Twitter at MKEMat13.
3: By the way, he joins us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. If applying for a home renovation loan, has you feeling anxious, breathing like Great Midwest Bank? Help you experience a state of banquility. Get started at GreatMidwestBank.com today. Also, top of the afternoon show is brought to you by News Nation. Want the news without the noise? News Nation is news for all of America. Reporting all sides, no spin and no agendas. Go to NewsNationnow.com slash join us to find News Nation on your
2: television provider. So we had a lot of fun this afternoon because the Brewers played a game that started at eleven in the morning. And when I came in to 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 join you folks, the the game was still going on. It was in the ninth inning of a four hour game that the Brewers won over the Tampa Bay rays. But I think the NBA might have been a little upset that baseball was stealing the spotlight this afternoon.
3: Yeah, we have some more news as well, and we'll get to that more when we come back here. We'll also talk about the Bucs. free agency pretty much starts tomorrow as well, so we will talk about that and probably give our thoughts, too. We haven't even talked about you and I about this Brewers-Rays game and this series in general, so we'll do that next. Coming up here, it's the Fan Afternoon Show. Kevin Holden, myself, Sam Schmitz, here on 1250 AM. You
0: are a fighter and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter.
3: Trick responsibly beer imported by Crownland Port Chicago Illinois. The fan. Swinging
0: a high fly deep right field. It is back. It is off the top of the catwalk. We've got another catwalk shot for Rowdy Telez. Harold Ramirez kept waiting for that ball to come down. It was off the catwalk and out of here and the Brewers have the
2: lead. Boy, a high towering home runs for the Brewers One by Urias and now Rowdy Telez with yet another multiple home run game highlight like courtesy of Bally Sports Wisconsin that's Jeff Levering on the call rowdy toles with two homers as the brewers sweep the two game set the fastest series of the entire season Uh, in Tampa Bay against the Rays. Hey, uh, if you guys have not checked this out, you should. Uh, 2400 Sports MLB coverage with Big Time Baseball. It's a podcast. Former players Cody Decker and Tony Gwynn Jr., along with MLB insider John Heyman, sit down every week They cover all the moving parts of Major League Baseball on the field, in the clubhouse, in the front office. These guys have you covered with complete breakdowns of every team and individual player worth noting on a week-to-week basis. Hello, fantasy owners, pay attention. Make sure you keep an eye out for new episodes of Big Time Baseball every Monday wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Anytime you can get help from a fantasy standpoint, I, I'll take it.
3: Yeah, exactly. Not only because of the fantasy aspect, but because you know, you and me, guys like us, we just enjoy everything and anything baseball.
2: I'll do it. I mean, literally all day. Like right. that's. That's the the you know the thing about it is it's if it's not a game then yeah you're watching a replay of something or listening to a podcast about it or you know checking up on prospects and potential trades and and that sort of thing it's it's big
3: and it's all friend of shows on that podcast too John Heyman, who last year was uh, the big shows MLB Odyssey Insider Tony Gwynn Jr former brewer yeah and then also one of our Odyssey MLB insiders and then friend of show Cody Decker who does the BetMGM MLB podcast as well with Ryan Horvath who'll we'll be talking to on Friday so as long as it's got it's got a bunch of guys that are friendly too, to the show, so how could you not listen to it? It's, it's great.
2: Yeah, it's fantastic. And you can you can catch up. I mean, you catch your Brewers obviously just by osmosis, I mean, right. no matter where, but this can help you get league informed, you know. Speaking of great things, Kevin.
3: Yeah. We like you said with Matt, we have a game that happened today. It was great that we can talk about. This is this is like a first for me too on the show because I I can't remember the last time we had an 11:10 start. <laughs> And then usually, you know, if it's like a noon or a one o'clock game, like it'll still the post game show will go all the way to the till the end until we go to the Zach Elb CBS Sports Radio. So yeah. this is awesome being able to talk about this little. And it, it, not only that, it's the end of a game, but
2: an end of a two game series right. too that we have under the book that we even talked about since yesterday. So, so literally, you and I went off the air yesterday, mm-hmm. and that series had not started. Yeah. And when this show goes on the air today, the series has ended. It's awesome. <laughs> That's I mean, it's the fastest series of the year. It's a night yeah. game and then a day game, and then they're gone. It's uh, it's pretty cool and back to back five three games too, right? Same score. But I didn't even think about that. Yeah, weird. Same score both games and and a lot of good highlights to 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 work with and a lot of good points to talk through. But I, as I was talking about with Matt, like the first name that jumps out. I mean, obviously Rowdy Teles was superhuman today and has been for mm-hmm. several games. But the the guy who caught my eye today was Luis Urias because yeah. not only did he hit well, he played great defense and sometimes. Your answer when you haven't a needed a position isn't outside your organization. And how great would it be if they could just plug Luis Arias? Like it's Weecho at third, and that's it. Yeah, right.
3: I think we kind of got a little carried away too, because I mean, well. I- I'm sure a lot of people don't realize, like, Luis Urias coming up throughout the minor leagues, like, he's naturally a second baseman. Mm-hmm. And then they tried him at shortstop because, well, they had to move him to third base, too, because of Fernando Tatis in San Diego. So now, going to the Brewers, like, he's still somewhat new to third base. Like, this isn't a position that he's played his whole life. Right. And then now that Colton Wong was out, too, he went back to second base. So I think people forget, like, for the Brewers, with all these years of control that they have for Urias, like, this is the guy that they probably have planned in as their third baseman in the future. But I think a lot of people realize, like, hey, we wouldn't be opposed to an upgrade as well if we can. But, yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, too, like, now that you're talking about Arias, when they went on that little uh, losing streak there, I think that also coincided with when Arias was struggling as Mm -hmm. well. And now that he's heating up, you know, lo and behold, we're asking, is this Brewers offense back in the postgame show yesterday? And we're talking about great things today, but really, like, Rowdy's obviously also been great. Willie Adamas been hitting home runs. You'd like to see him do a little more like he did on Sunday with multi hit games. But really now that the brews are heating back up. It's because of the pitching and also by the way, Luis Urias is finally heating back up as well.
2: You mean you have if it works and Hunter Renfro returns and he's at form, now you have a righty and renfro who can just bash. Right. You got a righty and Urias who can hit well. You got a righty and Willie Adamas who hits well. You got a righty and Andrew McCutcheon that hits well. Uh, that's four and and in some of these Craig council lineups four righties are what he uses period so right. that it, it could be that every right-handed batter in his order that he spreads out you know he goes sometimes he goes two four six eight with the with the righties in the batting order he might have four strong righties to spread all out there with the lefties i Look for for a team that worried me from the right side of the plate to start the year. That's excellent development. Well, I
3: mean, it's it's kind of worrisome too that some of the guys that you brought in to help against left handed pitching. You talked about Renfro, but McCutcheon, like he was supposed to be the guy who, when everybody when we signed him, people were like, oh, this guy, he just crushes left handed pitching. I think they said today on the broadcast that realistically, so far this year, he's been hitting around two twenty seven this year against lefties. So not what you initially hoped for when you brought him in, but. Thankfully, McCutcheon has been heating up this month. He's got, like, four home runs in the month of June. So, thankfully, like, along with Luis Arias, like, McCutcheon's starting to turn it back around after that 0 for stretch they had a long time ago. And then I'm looking at the lineup today. Like, you were talking about what do you do with Arias when Hunter Renfro comes back? I mean, you could go a lot of ways because you got to keep Christian Yelich in the leadoff spot, you would think, right? Oh, yeah. So, to me, I kind of like what Council was doing beforehand before he put uh, Yelich in the leadoff spot. I mean, I kind of liked – Having Colton Wong kind of in there at the bottom of the lineup, I know for him it probably feels like a, a slap in the face for being a leadoff guy, pretty much the majority of his career. But if you have, let's say, Colton Wong in the eighth spot, and you put a Tyrone Taylor or a Luis Arias down there, your second time, third time through the order, Damn. and then going, you got you got Wong in the eighth spot, Arias or Tyrone Taylor in the ninth spot, and then Christian Yelich right right there back at leadoff, then you know, Adamas, Thales, Renfro, yeah. You fit Omar Narvaez in there as well, like in between the bottom spots and the middle spots of the order. Like this offense could be clicking, you know, pretty soon, and as if it already hasn't been. It's very exciting to see like when this team is healthy, what Craig Council can do with a lineup. I don't know, just kind of got my gears spinning. I kind of like what I'm thinking with
2: this offense, right? Wong and Urias at the bottom of an order are guys who who can jumpstart. I mean, Wong and Urias in a pinch could be one and two, but if Mm -hmm. they're seven and eight or eight and nine, yeah.
3: Ooh. Great base runners too, and yeah. then you put them on. That you put them on the table for Adamas, Telez, and Renfro in your two, three, four spot.
2: The other thing it does too is is if if Wong and Urias are on in the eight and nine spot, if they're hitting well, then then your leadoff hitter, you could hear the air quotes, Christian Yelich <laughs> comes up feeling like a three hitter. You exactly. Know?
3: Yeah. Exactly. So just very interesting to see when Renfro comes back, and now that Colton Wong is back and Luis Urias is getting healthy, it's just interesting to see if they will do that. Uh, in the future with this with this starting lineup, but I mean, we talk about the hitting, but another highlight of this series was was the pitching, especially the the starting pitching yesterday, Kevin, with Brandon Woodruff.
2: Man, so okay, so ten strikeouts. Yeah, and he didn't he he threw in the seventies. I want to say it was like seventy eight or something, seventy eight pitches. So, th- think about it, like a ten strikeout performance is almost always for a pitcher one hundred and eight pitches, mm-hmm. right? So if it's ten Ks over fewer than eighty pitches. That means not only is he getting swings and misses, he's doing it a lot. It's effective.
3: Yeah. You know? it, the velocity actually for his fastball was up two ticks yesterday.
2: Oh baby.
3: So you talk about. I was worried about now the off-speed pitches. To me, they looked fine too. Right. I didn't see anything that was worrisome, or you know, I didn't see, um, you know, the speed on their velocity on those down. So you talk about the rainout syndrome and all that. I don't think it's affecting him right now, thankfully and he was dealing with the ankle injury thankfully aside from the rheumatoid stuff like nothing was affecting his arm or elbow like if you we talked about his home and away splits um that went to bed real quick <laughs> uh yesterday with that with that road start and thankfully I was hoping for that it worked out well for Brandon Woodruff so man you get Corbin Burns and then Brandon Woodruff hopefully this Brandon Woodruff that you can replicate in future starts um and then Eric Lauer, who you looked at the pitching line and today it's it's probably not what you would hope for but to me, this is kind of like Eric Lauer getting back on track a little bit. Right. I mean, you talk about the one mishap with Jace Peterson coming in for Jonathan Davis. Like, a normal outfielder probably gets that ball. And then, what, we're talking about a one earned run game for Eric Lauer today? Mm-hmm. To me, I'll take that from Eric Lauer. And, you know, I, I would even expect I'd be okay with a game like this today, even if Jace Peterson can't get that ball. This is, this is To me, this is Eric Lauer kind of getting back
2: on track. Yeah, so you have – if that's the case, then – you go Burns and Woodruff and then and you're filling out that rotation and you've got Lauer who could slot into a role. I mean, this is before you even talk about Peralta and whenever he would come back, but you've yeah. got Lauer in that role and you've got Hauser in that role and you've got you know other guys that that slide into these spots in the rotation. And it just, it just looks way better. I mean, right. when it was Corbin Burns, fill some spots and then give me Chi-Chi Gonzalez in the five hole, <laughs> It's like okay, they're they're surviving with that rotation, but this has a chance to thrive, not just survive. Oh, it's like a like a wrestling thing.
3: And I mean, Aaron Ashby will be right around the corner as well too for the Milwaukee Brewers. I was trying to find Kurt Hogue had a update on Aaron Ashby. I believe he threw a bullpen session today. There we go. Aaron Ashby today completed a bullpen regular here at Tropicana Field. Everything went well. He said uh, he went in after throwing to meet with the Brewers staff about next steps, whether that's pitching in Pittsburgh or not. So hopefully, I mean, everything – I mean, we already kind of heard that from Aaron Ashby before he went in the IL, so (laughs) take it with a grain of salt that, oh, yeah, everything's feeling good. Everything's feeling great. I should be able to make my next start against the St. Louis Cardinals in that four-game series. Boom, 15-day IL. Um, So hopefully Aaron Ashby is right around the corner too, but, I mean, it seems like we got to talk about last night's game as well um, with the starting pitching and then going into the relievers because it looks like Craig Council wants to keep Jason Alexander throwing every five days. So yesterday – they threw him in there as a bullpen guy. Right. And um got a little got a little tense last night with, with Jason Alexander. But it's kind of what we expected. I mean, he puts a lot of runners on base. And Tim Allen and I were talking about like Jason Alexander's been a cool story, but you look at the whip. Before yesterday it was like a one point six and all that, like he was bound to give up a couple more runs eventually,
2: and it kind of happened last night. Was was not really sustainable for what he was. And, you know, it is it chance with, with some competition over the summer, if he continues to compete like this, he can earn himself a spot when these games really, really start to count. But ideally, and no offense to Jason Alexander, but ideally – uh, that spot is gonna be right at the very back end of things. Like right. the, the starting rotation should be set. That back end of that bullpen looks fantastic. Oh man. And and the guy even the guy is setting him up. So if if he becomes a mop up or a long reliever on a roster in September or even into October, that's great. But yeah. I think that's the ceiling, right?
3: Right. I mean you just want to kind of give him a couple shots before those big leverage innings come into play. And I just think, you know, him pitching last night to me says that like Chichi Gonzalez is probably out. Like he's done his job, but once um, they get back to their like five man rotation until Freddie Peralta comes back, like Jason Alexander will probably be that fifth guy still. So I don't think for Brewers fans you have you don't have to worry about that happening again with Alexander pitching in the in the in the later innings happening again. But you talk about the the back end of the bullpen. I mean, Gustave came in today, especially, yeah. pitched some big innings with Eric. You know, uh, relieving for Eric Lauer and then Holby Milner after that. I mean, this bullpen. We were hoping before the season began, aside from Boxberger, Williams, and Hayter, that somebody in that bullpen could step up. Just one guy. And now it's like, you know, three, four guys have stepped up. And now you pretty much have a full bullpen. You could probably still add another arm at the trade deadline just for death. But I, just, I can't speak, I can't give these guys any more praise like Milner, Gustave, um, Trevor Gott.
2: Trevor yeah. Godman this
3: year, like I I can't believe the what they're getting out of this bullpen this year.
2: It's it's one of those things where if you if you got in a really bad position, I'm I'm picturing October mm-hmm. and I'm picturing a, a a series against Atlanta or LA or whoever, and a starter either gets hurt or just gets shelled, right? And he's got to go out in the third inning, and Craig Council might have a a you know a chance still to win this game in, You know sometimes a guy gets gets hit hard, but the game stays close he's got arms to throw from that point forward, from the third inning forward. Right. I mean, we're talking about like Brent Suter
3: now is getting his role decreased. Right. Because all these guys are stepping up. So when you talk about that, like, yeah, a guy like Suter can come in and then you can get to all these guys. But I just, I, I was not expecting that. And I mean, we kind of saw stuff like that kind of happening this year with Hader going back and forth on the paternity list and all that. Like, it's it's bad it's bad of a situation to happen, and thankfully Hader and his and his wife and their their baby was all right and everything worked out. But it kind of worked out because now some of those guys have experience for the playoffs. Like if one of these guys is going to be down, all right, well now we have an idea of like who we can kind of go to in those
2: situations. It's big, and it's only June. Like I am trying I not to get too pumped up yet because it's not even july 1st but like you know we're all we're pretty
3: much at the halfway point already yeah it's just like slow down for me for I'm me seriously. for me the season needs to slow down yeah i know a lot of people are like oh we're not even in july but like for me it, it's good get, it's getting to the point where like baseball is going too quick
2: i mean again going back to the fantasy thing if you're a fantasy owner you're halfway home mm-hmm. and that's i mean there's a lot of this story of the season that's been written if, right. it's, if it's half of a season, I mean, you can you can begin projecting full season numbers now. You can start looking that way.
3: So the Milwaukee Brewers, they were before today, they were a half game up on the St. Louis Cardinals. They're now obviously one game ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals, 44-33. and 33. Now they have a series against the Pittsburgh Pirates coming up before they return back home against the Chicago Cubs and then back again at home against the Pirates. I mean, this should be a nice little stretch here with Woodruff getting back too. I mean... This now's the time with the offense kind of feeling themselves. Like mm-hmm. now's the time to kind of stack up some
2: wins. I hope, as I was talking about this with, with Matt uh earlier in the hour, I hope that it's not a case of taking the speed on the on the pitching machine from ninety down to eighty and then struggling with it a little bit. Right. I I doubt it. I think his point is valid that Craig Council's not going to allow bumps like that in the road. He's been around long enough that that they shouldn't. But you know, you know what I'm saying. Like sometimes you bring that against those great teams, yeah. and then you're you're a little off when you're facing you know the the lower level of competition. Well, I mean, the thing
3: is too. Like after that little stretch, after this three game series against the Pirates, then back home against the Cubs and Pirates, like you got about a week before the All Star break after that little stretch. Yeah. So realistically, like I don't think I don't think they can afford to like take the foot off the gas pedal and all that. So we'll see. So real quick, that was, that was fun talking about a series that happened like before our after our last show and then coming into today. I don't know the next time that's ever gonna happen.
2: <laughs> it literally we you and I walked out of here right yesterday with that series not started and we we come back the next day and it's over.
3: Right, and it's a sweep.
2: And it's a sweep.
3: Let's go. I'll, although I will say this, I don't know about you. I hate two game interleague series. Like yeah. it doesn't do anything for the teams. No. It's it's kind of like a chore, if anything,
2: or, or or like a sort of a weird dream. Like I don't know who the right. Rays have next. I'm assuming it's an American League team, and and so they'll they'll wake up tomorrow. Like what was that weird
3: two game thing we just did? And then we just played the Pirates before that too. Right? <laughs> was yeah. weird. that's like right up there with just splitting a four game series. Like yeah. that bothers me more than anything. But anyways, that was fun to do. Talk some uh, Brewers baseball. We'll get back into the Milwaukee Bucks. And NBA free agency after the break here, but want to remind you guys: bottom of the afternoon show, brought to you by News Nation. Want the news without the noise? News Nation is news for all of America, reporting all sides, no spin, no agendas. Go to newsnationnow.com/slash/join us to find News Nation on your television provider. It's the afternoon show. Kevin Holden, and myself, Sam Schmitz. We'll get back into the Bucks, NBA free agency, and more coming up next here on 12:50 a.m. The Fan. Did Timmy pick that? No, this was um, picked by Sparky and like one of our uh, engineer guys as well. This little rotation of bumpers.
2: I want to hear him talk Scrub-A-Dub to the tune of this song. Tim Allen? No, I'm talking about Tim Shea. Oh, Tim Shea. Oh, man. Do we want to hear that, the, though? The Canadian <laughs> doing some Aerosmith, some Scrub-A-Dub to Aerosmith. It's the Fan Afternoon Show. Thanks for uh, listening in, Kevin Holden, Sam Schmitz. Uh, of course, uh We've been talking about this Big Time Baseball podcast, 2400 Sports MLB coverage, Big Time Baseball. Former players Cody Decker, Tony Gwynn Jr., along with MLB insider John Heyman, sit down every week to cover all the moving parts of Major League Baseball, on the field, in the clubhouse, and in the front office, that gets you covered with complete breakdowns of every team and individual player worth noting on a week-to-week basis. Make sure you keep an eye out for new episodes, Big Time Baseball, every Monday, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Uh, So baseball has been a thing, and and it's been fun to have very fresh baseball material to talk about, but somehow the NBA has has, uh, gone above that with even fresher – fresher is the word? More fresh? Fresher, probably. Fresher fresher information.
3: Yeah. Um, We don't really have much now than we did um, the hour before, and I'll I'll recap the other ones before I get to this last little tidbit of breaking news, but if you guys didn't hear, Bobby Portis declined his $4.6 million player option. No surprise. I think we're – all expecting that as he was kind of going to be searching for a bigger contract. Bradley Beal also declined his player option, so he can kind of do the same thing as Bobby Portis, either re sign with the Wizards or become a free agent. James Harden did the same thing as well with the Philadelphia 76ers. A lot of those guys probably kind of go in the Bobby Portis route where they're probably going to go back to their team on a bigger deal, but who knows if they test the waters or not. And then uh, we also had a big trade in the NBA as the Atlanta Hawks sent three first-round picks and the San Antonio Spurs – sent three first-round picks, and DeJounte – no, hold on. Hawks
2: gave up a bunch of first-rounders. I know that.
3: Hawks gave up a bunch of first-rounders and Danilo Gallinari. There we go. There it is. For DeJounte Murray of the San Antonio Spurs. So the Atlanta Hawks now have Trey Young and DeJounte Murray from San Antonio. So that's really kind of what happened in the last hour or so in the NBA. But this last bit of tidbit news, we have another potential free agent on the market going into tomorrow, the Brooklyn Nets guard Patty Mills – declined his six point two million dollar option and will become a free agent. So that one's interesting because for me when we were talking about free agency last year, you know how we all have like that one guy, including at the trade deadline and like in baseball too, we all have like that one guy we would love to see in Milwaukee Bucks uniform. Right. Last year, Patty Mills was that guy for me. Oh yeah. And he proved once again to be a valuable asset for the Brooklyn Nets. He's a great three point shooter as he always has been. So I don't know if they maybe if they can find a way to fit Patty Mills in. I know the Bucks don't have a lot of money. But it's kinda going it's gotta be kinda curious to see what the Bucks do in free agency outside of Bobby Portis and Pat Connton because they obviously don't have a lot of money, but I think I don't know about you, Kevin. We haven't really talked about what you expect the Bucs to do in free agency. Like I say just leave the core as it is, don't do anything with Brooke Lopez, don't trade him or anything like that. I just think you gotta kind of retool and, you know, strengthen
2: that bench. That's really it. Yeah, you don't have to – one of the joys of it is coming off the title and then this being so close against Boston, you know, losing in Game 7, and if you win that, who knows, maybe you're back-to-back champs. I mean, so many things have gone right that there's no sense in playing around with, with anything in that top, like, I don't know, eight spots maybe? yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's certainly certainly not the top five or six, but uh, but eight spots for sure. They might go spend a little bit of money in free agency, but honestly, if they get Portis back, yeah, the, everything that they could do after that would may not even be for right now. It might be for down the line. Yeah,
3: I mean, Sparky. Should we talk about what Sparky yeah, throughout us earlier? In the show, like, before the show began, we were doing crosstalk with Sparky, and he was talking about how the Orlando Magic declined the tender for Mo Bamba. The young center, which a lot of Bucks fans on this station too, when at the trade deadline was happening, were hoping that the Bucs could sway the Orlando Magic to get Mobamba, but clearly they didn't want to do it at the time. Then, like that's an interesting one because you're talking about stuff for the future. Like we all know, Brook Lopez is a crucial part to this team. We saw it last year and how important he was on defense. But if we're talking about, you know, Burke Lopez, he's obviously a crucial part, but he's obviously not going to be here for that many more years. We talk about the core and Giannis and Drew and Chris potentially. I think you got to start looking at like options at center for the future. Mm-hmm. And Mo Bamba could be one of those. And like obviously, is a smaller size guy, but had a career high in like block shots and points and a lot of other categories. So I don't know. It got me thinking like, you know, if they can somehow find a way to afford Mo Bamba, I think that's a great upgrade for both now and for the future. It might, you know, kind of leave a sour taste in Brook Lopez's mouth, but. I'm, I'm sure he'd understand,
2: kind of. I mean, it's a it's it's time to think about both of those. It's also time to think about when you bring somebody in who's been playing in a different kind of organization, especially if there's an organization that's upside down right now. I mean, there's a difference yeah. between being an Orlando Magic or a Sacramento King and being a Milwaukee Buck. Exactly. Just in terms of organizational structure, in terms of what they do for the players. So you might see someone perform at this level in Orlando and then a much higher level, uh, coming to Milwaukee, so it's possible that not only could Mobamba help down the line, it might be that he becomes a better player right away because of what's around him.
3: Yeah, so that one kind of got floated out to us, and it got me thinking. Because initial thought, I'm like, oh, there's no way. But I was like, oh, if they can make it work, it'd probably be a good option. Um, But the other thing too is we we're talking about you know what we expect in NBA free agency for the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, we we think we don't assume that Bobby Portis is going to get that big contract and hopefully return to the Milwaukee Bucks. But I was kind of wondering, like going through the lineup, like do you think they're still going to try to do the Grace Noun thing at the starting shooting guard position, or how do you think? Because for me, like you kind of have an idea of like what your bench is going to be. Mm-hmm. You can just plug in a couple more guys going into the next season. But I, I don't know what they're going to do with that other starting spot outside of Drew, Chris, Giannis, and Brooke.
2: Yeah. It's, okay. So there's there's two scenarios that pop in, and they are literally opposite ends of the spectrum. Because on one end, you'd have Grayson Allen start games super hot. Yeah. And man, when that happened, it felt like okay, you kick the Bucks out to this advantage early. They go up double digits early. It's demoralizing. And when you had good Grayson Allen doing that, it was it was terrific. And then the flip side of it is all the time when. When it was Allen on the hill on, on the court with like George Hill, when those two were on the court together, and it just felt like it was destroying everything the Bucks were building, and that was in a playoff game, a, a crucial a, a winner take all playoff game.
3: Right, and the thing is too, like when Pat came back from his hand injury late in the season, they decided to put Grayson back on the bench, mm-hmm. and that kind of worked a little bit. But I don't know, like to me, Grayson Allen, like to me, he just seems like a bench guy. So I don't I don't know like maybe they go back to doing that. I I doubt that they can afford to bring in somebody who could be a starter and then put Grayson Allen back on the bench. So I don't know, I kind of got my wheels spinning but a lot of people might throw out their Pat Connaughton that they could try out the at the starting two guard but to me like Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton like are your bench. Right? And those guys need to be coming off cuz they've shown that they can be so crucial and not only offense but Pat Connaughton especially like he's really improved on defense. It's kind of funny when I think about Pat Connaughton's career as a Milwaukee Buck. I initially started out like going uh, it's a love-hate relationship for me and my fandom with Pat Connaughton and then they gave him that deal at the time which was kind of inflated because of the salary cap increasing for oh, the Bucks yeah. and then every Bucks fan was like, "Oh, that's way too much money for Pat Connaughton." Now we we have a championship underneath a lot of Bucks fans belt because of Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis coming off the bench and filling in big pieces like I think a lot of Bucks fans will now say that we didn't pay Pat enough. You know, right? <laughs> Pat, Pat has like really grown into like his own kind of role and has been a tra- like a crucial part of this really stretch for the Bucks in these last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, a guy that you
2: almost can't imagine the team without. right? Exactly.
3: Now. And he's become a big part of the city, too. He's building, you know, apartment buildings and all that around yeah. Milwaukee. So I think everybody knew that
2: he wasn't leaving just because of that. So, OK, do you do you make a play for DiVincenzo for any reason? Ooh, for any reason. Ooh. Like I mean, I'm assuming that Dante Divincenzo will get an offer from someone worse than the Bucks for a greater role. But if you oh, offer yeah. him, that it, it'll be a less role and probably less money. But it'll be the Bucks. It'll that, be a reunion. So, you may, do you try it?
3: I didn't even think about that. Because if you're Dante, obviously you want your money. But if you go back to the Bucks, you know the system. Yeah. You're probably gonna have a shot at you know. Potentially being a starting shooting guard again. Cause then you could just plug in Grayson off the bench or vice versa. Like either way, you're you're getting significant minutes for the Bucs if you come back. Man, because the Bucks really don't need to do too much in free agency, if you right? think about it. Like they have their bench guys with Bobby Portis and Pat Conson. Unfortunately, a lot of Bucks fans aren't gonna like it, but George Hill is gonna be back for another year. Uh-huh. So that's like your start your your guard off the bench as well. Then you got Grayson like I think you know if if Dante really wanted to i think that'd be a perfect move for the Bucs and for agency wouldn't it cuz you really don't have to do too much and you don't have to worry about a guy fitting into your scheme like remember Shemi ozelay i think people forgot about Shemi ozelay before the season began like yeah that's the risk of of losing guys like pj tucker like you think these guys can you can find similar production and substitute it out but you just never know how it's actually going to pan out and i think you, you kind of lessen that that risk if you bring back a guy like Dante, and he didn't really get a fair shot. I I I loved the Serge Ibaka trade at the time because mm. we didn't know that Brook was going to be back healthy, right. and we didn't know that Brook was going to be able to stay healthy coming back. So I get had having to get Serge Ibaka, and it was frustrating for a lot of Bucks fans because you never saw him in the playoffs, but I think when you made that trade, you kind of realized that he wasn't going to be a playoff factor anyways. It was going to be the same thing with DeMarcus Cousins, too. Sure. So. I get why they traded Dante and but the thing is too like he wasn't given really a fair shot because he was coming back from that, that foot injury as well. So yeah. I'm not I'm not sure. Like to me, like Dante didn't really increase or decrease his stock in Sacramento. Right. He had a great game when he played the Bucks. Right. <laughs> of course. But I don't know if like he's really gonna demand all that much money. It was crazy before last season began. We all knew he was gonna be a, you know, free agent. Um, and the expected numbers for Dante DiVincenzo were just like, there's, you can't pay him that much money, (laughs) but now I don't know if it went down or not. And if it is like you threw that out there, maybe we'll talk about it more tomorrow. I really like that option, and I think that's kind of perfect because you bring in like maybe one other guy on your bench after that, like very minimum contract. Yeah, I think you can just wipe your hands and get ready for next
2: year. I th- there's there's just two po- two positives to me. One is as a team, the, the the Bucks already know what Dante is, what he's capable of, what he fits into. But the other is from a player standpoint. Can you imagine the last several months of Dante DiVincenzo's life? Can yeah. you imagine going from Milwaukee to Sacramento right. and expecting success? I mean, the thing is, too, like
3: John Horst said, like, yeah, we're, we're excited for Dante because he's earned more playing time, but he knew what he was getting into. Like with Dante, like you're sending him to a team that's not going to make the playoffs, and he's he's not going to have a lot of – he may get more minutes, but he's probably not having fun and all that. So I don't know. It's That's interesting because you, you saw Bobby over the years, like – sacrifice the money, the bag for you know, staying with this team and trying to compete for a title. And I'm curious if Dante would do the same thing because but realistically, like this is one shot to get a contract. So
2: Yeah, yeah. and so you couldn't you couldn't fault him. Right. You couldn't fault him. But and
3: man, that's that's certainly I'm sure John Horse is looking at that news today and kind of thinking, man, how uh-huh. do do that? But, how,
2: you, how you feel about Milwaukee there, Dante? Right.
3: Know? Speaking of a guy who is possibly looking at a new situation in the NFL. We haven't even talked about this Baker Mayfield thing. Oh, man. We have some we'll talk about Baker Mayfield and what's happening with him and the Cleveland Browns. We got a couple other tidbits of news and notes that we'll dive into as well before the end of the show today. So we'll hit a break, and we'll come back. We'll talk about all that stuff. It's the afternoon show. Kevin Holden and Sam Schmitz here on 1250 AM, The Fan.
2: The Fan afternoon show is back. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Kevin Holden from CBS 58, filling in this week. Sam Schmitz on the controls.
3: And, guys, this top of the afternoon show is brought to you by, once again, News Nation. Want the news without the noise? News Nation is news for all of America. Reporting all sides, no spin, and no agendas. Go to newsnationnow.com slash us to find News Nation on your television provider. One topic that has been kind of a hot issue in the NFL that we haven't had much time to talk about, and unfortunately we don't have much time to talk about right now, but this Baker Mayfield thing, Kevin, <laughs> it's fascinating because we I don't want to dive into the Deshaun Watson stuff because nobody wants to hear about that. It's weird, and nobody wants to hear about it, but on top of that, like you have a, a, a quarterback that they clearly decided to not give like the fifth-year option an actual shot at giving him playing time, right. and then you, they also signed Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> And now it's like, what do the Browns do? Like, do they, do they like go back to Baker Mayfield's door and like plead, like please come back, Baker, and play for us? Or do do they, do they let Jacoby Brissett probably play
2: for the majority of the season? I don't know. It's weird. I mean, this is think this thing is like twenty feet deep for them at this point. I think you you'd have to lie in the bed you've made. I think Jacoby Brissett's their starting quarterback.
3: I think so too, because once you do that, there's there's no going back. And Baker Mayfield even said, "quote For that to happen, there would have to be some reaching out, but." We're ready to move on, I think, on both sides. So, clearly, yeah. Baker Mayfield is um, thinking about potentially leaving. and I, I assume it's like Carolina, maybe Seattle, but we'll see. There will probably be some more news coming out about that in the next couple of days. That's going to do it for today on the Fan Afternoon Show. Short show, but a fun show with yep. a lot of NBA news and brewers and rays.
2: Yeah, a lot to talk about. Nobody uh, broken elbow like Archie Bradley did for the Angels. That was good. <laughs> well, We have to talk about that. Maybe we'll do it tomorrow.
3: <laughs> uh, but that, that's going to do it for today. Kevin Holden, thank you very much. We'll talk again tomorrow. Always fun. Myself, Sam Schmitz here on the Fan Afternoon Show. Tomorrow, our guest for uh, Draft Mockery will be Drew Burgoyne of CBS 58. Burgoyne. That'll be fun. We'll talk to Drew tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And we will see you tomorrow afternoon.
2: The The Scrub Scrub Club. Club.
3: Hard to say.
2: Easy to use. (laughs) Sign up. At Scrub-a-dub. At Scrub-A-Dub. Listen. Oh, he got so pumped there. <laughs> T-Mobile
0: has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.